to Lead Generation Strategies for B2B Tech Companies, a podcast by Brightvision. Here, you will learn how to generate great leads from the most experienced B2B sales and marketing people. Your host today, and always, is Jakob Levenbrand, CEO at Brightvision. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to the B2B Lead Gen podcast for tech companies. My name is Jacob Levenbrand and I'm the Managing Director of Bright Vision. Today we're going to talk about influential leadership in the tech industry with an expert in this topic, Daniel Priestley, who's co-founder and CEO of Dent Global, which is a company that helps entrepreneurs and businesses to stand out and scale up. But Daniel is also the co-founder of the lead generation SaaS company, Score App, and on the top of that, a best-selling author of four books. With that introduction, uh, so happy to have you with me today, Daniel. I've been looking forward to it. Yeah. Well, awesome. You have been busy and uh, are doing a lot of stuff there. So uh, before we dive into this influencer uh, thing we're going to talk about today and um, uh, double-click a bit on, we are we just must hear a little bit about your story and uh, you know what you've been up to and so forth. Yeah, so I'm the CEO and the founder of a company called Dent Global, um, and I've been running that for the last 12 years. We're an entrepreneur accelerator. We've worked with about 3,500 companies, uh, offices in London and in Sydney and in Toronto, so the three main time zones. Um, We used to have offices in eight uh, different cities around the world um, prior to the pandemic, but actually we're just operating on um, time zones now. And um, prior to that, I've, I've always started and grown different businesses. I've had several different companies from the age of 21 to 41. Um, so lots of, lots of different businesses. Uh, I'm a tech entrepreneur as well. So uh, ScoreApp is, uh, is a data analytics platform for small businesses to generate data-rich leads and to be able to segment and enrich their data. Uh, and yeah, I'm father of three, author of four books, uh, that sort of stuff. <laughs> wow exciting journey and uh, a lot of stuff in there and i also read that you just won, won, won uh, an award entrepreneur of the year 2022 can you tell us a little bit about what that was yeah so uh it was uh, an awards in uh, london um they looked at it was a panel of experts um i think about 700 entrepreneurs and uh, entered for the award and uh because we had done a number of acquisitions through the pandemic um we'd spun out some technology we'd gotten some funding uh we ticked a lot of the entrepreneurial boxes um you know we were basically we've been hiring we've been raising capital we've been uh growing um, at a difficult time. So uh, it was very nice to be acknowledged. And obviously, any award for an entrepreneur should actually belong to the entrepreneur's team, because uh, anyone who works with an entrepreneur should probably get an award just for that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, totally agree. And I can uh, see myself a little bit uh, in the same situation there. You know, it's it's not always easy to work with entrepreneurs. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, Fantastic. And where did this passion to start coaching and training and helping entrepreneurs scale and things like that, where did you get that uh, from? And uh, when when did you come up with the idea to, to start Dent Global? Yeah, one of my very first companies was an event marketing and event management business. We used to do, um, we used to manage and market roadshows for new product launches and 
Um, we would, I was born in Australia and we would, uh, I started out running uh, marketing events and marketing roadshow events uh, down the east coast of Australia. So if someone wanted to launch something new uh, and they wanted to do Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne, we would do the event rollout uh, for them uh, down the east coast of Australia. And um, often I was working very closely with entrepreneurs. I was working with people who were uh, very successful entrepreneurs. And I developed a real passion for entrepreneurship and for um, finding some of the these people that I'd been working with who had built very successful companies and putting them in front of new entrepreneurs. Um, I noticed around 2010 something called Y Combinator in San Francisco, and I became obsessed with this idea of entrepreneur accelerator programs. Um, I wanted to do something that more people could access. I didn't want to make it so exclusive that only a very small number of people could uh, could be on an accelerator. I wanted to be able to kind of, I imagined it being in every city around the world. I imagined uh, when I first created it, I, I wanted to open up at, at least 20 cities where we would have an entrepreneur accelerator in 20 cities around the world. Mm. We ended up getting to about eight cities before the pandemic hit. And um, uh, we then switched across to a more digital model uh, which has actually exploded our growth and allowed us to access entrepreneurs in much more than 20 cities. Mm. Um, but yeah, a real passion for the entrepreneurial world, the entrepreneur revolution. I wrote a book called Entrepreneur Revolution, um, where I saw that some of the world's most talented and highly rewarded people were leaving corporate and going and starting their own businesses. And uh, I wanted to kind of be part of that trend and document uh, that trend. And I love the classic ideals alongside entrepreneurship of making an impact um, and doing a business that does something good in the world and using business as a force for good uh, while also having a better lifestyle with more flexibility and fun and freedom, uh, you know, through business as well. So all of those things roll up into one big passionate ball uh, that I've got for entrepreneurship. Awesome. What a cool story. <laughs> I love that. And what is it, uh, since you have helped thousands of companies through these programs and so on, what would you say is the most classic problems where you can help the most? Where does the most entrepreneurs or SMBs struggle typically? Yeah, so the entrepreneurial journey is very predictable. Uh, and it typically, you know, there's this lovely, really good time where you start a business, you make the first few hires, you get three to eight people on a team and things go pretty well. And there's a lot of fun and excitement in those first couple of years. Um, and then complexity starts to come in around, you know, eight to 12 people, you start to notice a little bit of complexity creeping in. By the time you get to about 15 people, it's very hard to go beyond that because uh, business becomes, um, the, the weight of the business starts dragging it down. You become too big to be small, but too small to be big. Mm. Um, a lot of stress uh, happens. A lot of the time around 10 to 15 people is where you discover that the co-founders are not as aligned as they once were. And um, they discover the differences between uh, their vision and their what they want out of the business. Uh, you typically um, discover that there's way more competition or there suddenly is more competition than you ever dreamed. Um, so, you know, you normally get into something for the first two or three years and you're not really thinking much about competition. By the time you get to about year four or five, um, whatever it is that you noticed five years earlier, hundreds of other companies noticed the same sort of thing. So now 
what you thought was quite a unique business is actually very commoditized and very competitive. Um, and it's a very noisy marketplace. And now you're in competition with businesses all over the world. And, uh, you know, you discover 27 different YouTube channels that say the exact same thing as you do and 27 different podcasts talking about the same stuff. So suddenly you feel like, wow, am I even in the right business? And, you know, the business is hard and it's difficult and all of those sorts of things. So it's very predictable. There's a combination of complexity that gets in the way of running the business and there's a combination of things that stop you from getting any cut through in the marketplace. It's just too noisy uh, to get any um, cut through with the market. Ah, interesting. And all during this journey, you have modules where you can work with entrepreneurs in order to overcome all these hurdles and steps there. Yeah, we do have modules. There's there's one thing that tends to there's a, there's one thing that tends to be the big knockout punch that solves a lot of problems. Um, we call that becoming a key person of influence. So mm. one of the things that tends to solve all the problems of getting cut through in the marketplace and also attracting an amazing high-performing team um, is this idea that the founder, people want to know who's the founder. They want to know who's the brand. Mm. Um, and if you can be the type of founder of a business that speaks on stages and is on different platforms, puts videos out there, is the person who has a voice for the business, uh, if you can write some books or some content um, and really kind of be the, the 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 voice of the business and the face of the business, yeah, uh, that solves a lot of problems. If you can get any traction whatsoever as that key person of influence, you tend to attract good people onto your team. You tend to get a few more customers. You tend to have a little bit better performance on your marketing activities. Uh, so suddenly things just start to, you, you know, you get that slight edge Mm. Uh, which gives you the traction that you need. So one of the things that we discovered is that a lot of people who start businesses, they're very good at some sort of a technical role. They probably had a job doing something, uh, you know, in the first half of their career. Maybe they spent 10, 15 years in a technical job, in a technical role as part of a somebody else's team. And then they go off and start their own business. And what do they do? They do the technical job. They, they do the thing that they've been trying to do, that they're experienced to do. And the thing that we try and encourage them to do is to actually uh, do what the business owner needs to do, which is to evangelize the business, to shed light on the business, mm. to be out there speaking uh, about the business um, and just, just basically capturing people's attention and their imagination about uh, what it is the business does. So manufacturing some demand for the business uh, and getting some attention for the business um, using their own personal uh, voice. Awesome. So interesting. And you're so into this. So you even wrote the whole book there called just key person of influence, the five steps method to become one of the most highly valued and highly paid people in your industry. Yeah. And, and I suppose that came out of a lot of experience around this coaching uh, entrepreneurs and finding out all these uh, struggles and things like that. So that's so interesting. So let's dive into that a little bit. And sure. And see, um, well, you know, I, as, just as well as you are an entrepreneur, I'm as well. But I think it would be very interesting to hear a little bit about how you see this. Uh, I, I get the idea that it's just as you say, if I could be really good at that, that would be great beneficial to, to our company and so forth. But there's, uh, you know, time, <laughs> time is not enough uh, and things like that. So maybe you can lay out a little bit what your thought is around this, how to help 
companies to to establish that kind of thing and and how to get that going and and um, yeah so the first thing to keep in mind is that time time is not linear and it's not time is not the same uh one hour is not the same as any other hour right mm. so for example if i spend an hour meeting one new person face to face for coffee uh essentially my time is leveraged one to one uh, if I spend one hour up on a stage in front of a thousand perfect pe people, then my time is being leveraged one to a thousand. Mm. Uh, the time being on a stage in front of a thousand people is infinitely worth a lot more than meeting someone one to one, mm. um, all things being equal. If I was to grow my business by meeting people one to one, it might take me a year to be in front of a thousand people. Uh, if I had a personal brand or a reputation or I'd written a book and I could stand up in front of that stage, every person in the audience has got a copy of the book given to them uh, and they get a one-hour conversation, you know, maybe I could do that twice a month and suddenly, uh, you know, I'm meeting more people in in those two events each month than I would meet in two years if I was to network pretty con consistently, if I was to go out. So time is... Anyone who says I don't have time, I would actually always just say uh, you need to leverage time. You've got to be in front of as many people as possible for every hour that you spend. You've got to do as absolute most with your time. Uh, as the CEO of a company, you've got to do the things that leverage the most value into, into your business. Mm. Um, so, you know, we can all agree that time is scarce and precious, but I, I'm a big believer that the CEO of a company or the founder of a company has to do things that only they're going to do. No one else is going to do these things. Um, and um, and they've got to do these things that are extremely highly leveraged. Yeah. That's very good uh, point there. Uh, so uh, number one, then analyze your time and try to find the leverage points and, and uh, be yeah, more. So in very, in very particular, the CEO is the only one who is going to be able to pitch the business with credibility on a big stage. So only the founder, uh, unless you're a really well-known brand like Google, only the founder of the business, only the CEO of the business is going to get put onto a platform and have the opportunity to, 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 to do a pitch to a group. Mm. So you've got to get yourself ready for that. You've got to be ready for a pitch. You've got to be ready to be in front of the right people and to know what to say uh, in that situation. So that's called pitching. Um, and presenting another way to put it would be pitching and presenting right presenting your business into into a group pitching from a platform so that's number one the ability to talk about your business in a meaningful way uh, in an influential way would be step one and to be ready for those group experiences those leveraged experiences um, that's that's the uh, no, no one inside your business is going to suddenly say oh by the way Jacob I'm gonna go and book myself to speak at a conference and speak in front of 400 people about why they should join this business. The type of person who feels comfortable doing that will go out and start their own business. Exactly. Okay, so uh, that's very good, very good uh, recommendation there. Do you see any next step from there? Um, yeah, so the, the five steps in the book. So the step one is pitching. Mm -hmm. uh, step two is publishing a book or publishing content, valuable content. One thing that doesn't work is when you hire a junior person to create some box ticking content that you stick on the web website on the blog, no one's going to read it. It's not. It's not going to shake the earth. Uh, but when you're the CEO and you write a book, 
Um, and that book is your vision statement for the world. It tells people this is where I'm, this is what I'm thinking about. That book becomes a way of attracting great team members. Uh, if you look at Bill Gates, he wrote a book called The Road Ahead. Um, if you look at um, uh, the CEO of Microsoft now, he wrote a book called Click Refresh. So, like, you know, you get these CEOs who one of the very first things they do is create a book. Richard Branson created a book called The Virgin Way. Um, and basically putting a book out is one of the things that attracts great people to you. It formalizes your thinking. Uh, it gets you on a lot more stages and platforms. So um, you, I encourage people to do a book, but if you can't do a book, at least do really high quality blogs and articles uh, about what you're, you know, what you're thinking. So Elon Musk has not written a book, but he has done some pretty extensive um, content about what he's thinking for uh, for Tesla. Um, he's done, you know, his actual plan, for his vision for Tesla. All of that's published on the on the company uh, company blog. Mm. Um, the third one is the product choices. So you, as the CEO, as the founder, you get to tell the team this is the product. This is what we're going to sell. Uh, the products and services that we offer at this business include this is you know this. So uh, only the CEO of the company, only the founder of the company, can make different product choices. Uh, it's very unlikely that anyone inside your business is going to say, hey, I think we should go do a full digital transformation, turn this intellectual property into a piece of software. I think we should take this media asset that we've created and turn it into a, a productized service. <laughs> the, the, the employees are not going to do that. Uh, so you've got to be the one to actually drive product innovation and to actually constantly strive towards more media, more intellectual property and more software. Every business should be should be taking what they know, formalize intellectual property, turn it into media, uh, and then turn it into software, and keep moving those goalposts forward with mm. with more scalable, more valuable products. Um, so that's that's the third one. Uh, fourth one is your profile. So making sure that you build and develop a profile, and make sure people have heard of you, make they they know who you are. Um, could be social media profile, could be uh, traditional media profile. Um, getting on other people's platforms is a great way to build profile. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the fifth one is doing joint ventures and partnerships. So what you want to be doing is making sure that your business uh, has really amazing joint ventures and partners and that you as the founder, CEO, drive people towards those joint ventures and partnerships. Rather than trying to invent everything yourself, you go out and partner with other great companies. Awesome. That's that's a really great roadmap to building an influencer platform. Where do you see people struggle most when you have taught them this, or you know they have read your book and come up, talk to you after an event, and and you know what's their questions and where do people go wrong in this journey? Well, I would say the whole thing is hard. Um, so if it was easy, everyone would do it, and if it was easy, everyone could do it. Hmm. Um, you know. If, uh, if you hear a professional athlete talk about, well, you just need to do this, then this, then this, then this, it's like, okay, easier said than done. So it's the same in business. Business is incredibly hard. Um, and even when you know where to focus your attention, you've got to be uh, very good. So a great pitch, even though it's easy to say you need to have a great pitch, it's not easy to come up with a great pitch. You've got to do, do days and days of like deep thinking and deep working to, to get yourself to really understand what your business 
has underneath the mountain of value that you're standing on. Mm. Um, so you've got to be able to figure out what is this incredible value? You know, what customers have been raving about? What, what is it that we're passionate about? And bring all of that together into the pitch. So you've got to do a lot of work to get a great pitch. Um, creating amazing products, <laughs> you know, the best, smartest, most highly paid people in the world get this wrong. Uh, so you've got to have a, an innovation approach. You've got to have a rigorous approach to creating great products. But I suppose the best thing is knowing at least where to put your energy and where not to put your energy. One of the things that really frustrates a lot of people is they they didn't they don't necessarily want to be a key person of influence. They hate the idea of being an influencer. Um, I, I also hate the idea of being an influencer. I don't want to photograph my breakfast. I don't want to photograph my gym. Uh, I, you know, none of exactly. that interest, none yeah. of that interests me. So you've got to get your head away from being an influencer and become a key person of influence. You know, the CEO of Google is not an influencer, but is a key person of influence. Uh, so there's, there's a way of being a key person of influence without having to, uh, photograph your breakfast or do a, do a creative dance to the latest trending song. Um, so you, you know, that, that's a big barrier that people have. They don't like the idea of it. Um, and, uh, a lot of people have this fear that if they become a key person of influence, they get trapped in the business, that they can never take a holiday, that they can never sell the business, um, that everyone will only want to speak to them. And the actual, the, the, the truth is the opposite happens. As soon as you step up on a stage in front of a thousand people, nobody expects that you're going to be the person working hands-on with the customer. They expect that you're going to have an amazing team. Um, and suddenly you do get amazing people join the team. As soon as you've got a platform, you do get these incredible uh, people who can handle customers and can who can handle great work. So the truth is you get freed from your business and you can sell it easier than ever. You can raise money easier than ever if you've got a profile. Um, you know, So everything gets easy once you're a key person of influence and you've got all these options that open up to you. But people... The starting point is that people have this fear that the more they have a profile, the harder their life will become. So interesting. Do you work as a sales, marketing or channel manager and would like to generate great leads to your B2B tech company? Then we are here for you. By creating a qualified sales pipeline and strengthen your position in the tech industry, we help you grow. Depending on your needs, we use effective strategies like inbound marketing, telemarketing, account-based marketing, and paid media. Get more information on brightvision.com. Where, where do you start? You know, if if uh, let's say that you're an entrepreneur or or uh, or a CEO of a smaller company, you know. And you're not really a journalist or a, a copywriting background and so on. Should you start with Twitter? Should you start with a blog? Should you start with a book? You know, where where do you put your first step in order to formulate your ideas and visions uh, in order to to save time and be inefficient? Is LinkedIn the right platform today or what? what yeah, look, my, my personal favorite place to start any new business is uh, pitching to a group of people. Mm-hmm. So, and I mean live, I love live. So like I launched business, I've launched seven different companies and um, recently I launched a new business, a tech company called ScoreApp. It's a data analytics platform. It's a marketing platform for small businesses. We do things like we have quizzes and questionnaires online that collect a lot of data rich leads. 
warm leads come in through using score app using quizzes and questionnaires um, and it's a it's a new idea for a lot of small businesses they've never heard of this before they've never thought about running a quiz they've never thought about having an online scorecard as a way to generate leads so the first thing i want to do is if i'm launching that business or when i am launching that business is i want to get uh 20 people around uh, a table in a room and i want to say we're going to do a mini workshop on right something called scorecard marketing how to use online quizzes surveys questionnaires and scorecards to generate the best leads you've ever generated and and get the best clients you've ever had um, let's get better leads and bigger profits through scorecard marketing so I want to run a little workshop. I want to see if I can get people to turn up. And I want to do a one-hour presentation where I'm, I've got my slides and I'm showing them case studies and I'm giving them analogies and I'm telling them stories and I'm showing them data and I'm trying to get them excited about this new idea. Um, and if I can do 10 of those presentations over the course of two or three months and the plan is to change the presentation and improve the presentation, and I wanna see what do they laugh at? What do they get confused with? What makes them lean in to the table and write things down? What makes them cross their arms and lean back and get bored and distracted? And I'm, I wanna feel the energy bouncing between myself and my customers. Mm. Uh, and I wanna see if I can increase the intensity of that energy. And I wanna be in front of them, right? Now, I, obviously you could do a bit of this with a live Zoom presentation. Uh, but ideally being in the same room. And what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to perfect a pitch. I'm trying to get good at pitching this idea. I want to see if I can capture their attention with this um, because some of the best ideas are very poorly understood at the beginning. You know, nobody understood what a social network was when Mark Zuckerberg launched Facebook. Uh, you know, so he had these weird ways of describing it like a utility, like a phone company, but uh, online. And people were like, what? So <laughs> He had to find the right ways of describing uh, this to, to people who had never seen it before. You've got to figure, figure that out. So the perfect place to start is in front of customers, presenting ideas, and at the very end of a pitch, you need to have something called a call to action where you try and get people to fill in a form or, or put a holding deposit or um, you know, uh, sign up for it when it's ready. Uh, they, you know, you need to see if they respond because people lie and tell you it's a great idea up until the point that you ask them to do something. When you say, um, if you'd like to go ahead and become one of our first customers, you need to put down a fifty-pound, fifty-dollar deposit, and uh, and then when it's ready, we will make you one of the first customers. Then you get the truth because if they're willing to put down fifty dollars to hold a position in a in a in a queue they're definitely excited by the idea. If they're not willing to put down any money or put down any, you know, more commitment, then they're probably being just polite when they say that it's a great idea. <laughs> awesome. Wow. Great insight there. Fantastic. So uh, presenting for live audiences in smaller settings and refining and iterating your pitch until you have something really, really great. That's the first step in its core, I suppose, now. Yeah, that's uh, awesome to hear. And from that, you can spin out different kind of topics and blog posts or tweets or whatever you're up to then, I suppose. So, yeah, I use a, a little piece of software called otter.ai, uh, which records and transcribes all my presentations. And then I look at the transcript and I highlight bits that I wish I had have 
uh, I highlight bits that I enjoyed or that I think worked. I highlight in red bits that I thought could go. Um, so I'm just trying to have a look at the transcription of, of that. Um, now, mind you, you can also do this one-to-one. -one. So some businesses, you, you're not going to get in front of groups, but you could actually do 30 one-to-ones and you're presenting to people one at a time and telling them this is what we're up to, this is what we do. My personal favourite is mini groups. I love boardrooms and I love I love rooms of between 20 and 100 people for mini workshops, um, you know, where you, where you can still get interaction from the audience, but you can kind of get 30 or 40 people engaging in one afternoon and get all that feedback straight away. Hmm. Awesome. Well, that's, that's a skill in itself, I suppose, <laughs> to work the room there. Fantastic. And what's your social media strategy? Do you spin out anything? Do you leverage social media in, in the next step? or um, where does I, think that the, I think the number one thing to consider with social media is that everything great that will ever happen in your life will be preceded by a Google search. Mm. People are going to search your name. They're going to check you out. And they're going to look at some superficial stuff like do you have followers, right? Do people follow what you're saying? Do people engage with what you're saying? Mm. So they're going to go onto your LinkedIn and they're going to see what your most recent posts were. If your most recent post was 2017 and three people liked it, then, then their assumption is that you're not a key person of influence. Um, if they Google you and it's just, you know, a swimmer in Florida and a serial killer in Nevada and, uh, you know, real estate agent in Sydney, Australia, and they're sitting there thinking, I have no idea this person, this person's name doesn't really come up in any great way. It's confusing. Then the assumption is that you're not necessarily a special person to be talking to. You're just a regular person. Uh, you know, with a small business trying to survive. Mm. But if they Google you and they can see you've got followers, you've got engagement, that you've got thought leadership, you've got ideas out there, they see a video and the video ha has some, you know, um, personality to it. They see that you've got uh, some people talking about you, right? It's not just you talking about yourself, but others are talking about you as well. Suddenly they're excited to talk to you. They're open to the idea of maybe doing some partnerships with you. Maybe they're open to sharing their platform with you. Maybe they want to work for you. Maybe they want to invest in you. So that first thing is that Google search. Now, the funny thing is everything is now going to have a Google search. You're, if, you know, if you're not married and you're going to get married in the future, she's going to Google you. Right? He's <laughs> going to Google you. Like that, that, That's going to happen. Yeah. Um, uh, if you're going to have a new employee and you've got a, let's say you bump into an incredible salesperson and this salesperson, you go and renew your phone contract and the person who sells you that new mobile phone is really super friendly. And you say to them, hey, look, would you like to quit your job and come and work at my agency? I think you'd be amazing to come and work in, a, in the agency that we run. And they say, yeah, I'd be open to that. You give them your name, you give them their phone number. They've got your name because they just signed you up to the phone conversation. They've got your number. But they're going to Google you. As soon as you walk out that door, they're going to they're gonna Google you and they're going to say, do I want to work for this guy? Um, and it depends. If, if you Google well, uh, you know, they're going to say yes. So I always think about it from that lens. I work backwards from that idea. Yeah. If someone's going to Google you, it needs to be impressive. It needs to it needs to look like you're a quality person who cares about what you do, that you're passionate about what you do. Uh, you've got engagement. You've got people following you. You're, you've got thought leadership out there. Um, 
you know, and, and I'm, I'm producing stuff for, for that scenario. Awesome. And the rest is, is the easier part then, I suppose, you know, if, if you want to have a consistent presence on LinkedIn, for example, and things like that, if you have something good to say, you can always uh, easy spin out bits and pieces of that. Yeah. I think there are, there are ways to try and game these, these engines. There are, there are tactical rules to follow, right? So a lot of the time people talk about tactical rules to follow. So for example, posting three times a week is tactical. Um, having seven tips is tactical. Well, you know, all of those things are good tactical things to do. But realistically, I always like to just start with why would you bother in the first place? Like, why do you even want to do these tactical things? Like in what, what benefit? Your time is precious. What benefit? Mm. So the starting point is that the most amazing life-changing experiences will start with a Google search or will involve a Google search. And if you don't pass that test, you you don't get access to that life-changing experience. Awesome. Wow, that was so cool to, to hear. I uh, <laughs> would love to, to be that. <laughs> that person that is good at, at doing pitches and create content on, on that level, of course. And I... I I'm sure every entrepreneur would love to to do that. So thank you so much for sharing that. And uh, I know you have uh, not one book only, but four book and a fifth coming out soon as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The fifth book is uh, is ready. It um, comes out next month, Scorecard Marketing. Uh, the four-step playbook for getting better leads and bigger profits. Awesome. Well, I, I better buy that one since we're doing lead gen in our agency, you know. <laughs> so uh, sounds really intriguing. And uh, anyway, you have so much content there. So thank you so much for your time. But people who want to know more about you, Daniel, or your companies or Score App, where should we send them so they can dive more into your content and stuff? Uh, a lot of... A lot of times uh, I'm connecting with people on LinkedIn and sharing a lot of ideas on LinkedIn. I actually just shared a post on getting a free copy of the book, Scorecard Marketing, for anyone who wants to have a look at it. Um, I'm happy to send you a copy as well or happy to send your listeners a copy if they just connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, and uh, Twitter is another place that uh, that I'm very responsive. Some people connect with me on Instagram mm-hmm. and some people just skip all of that and go and buy a book on Amazon. <laughs> they buy the key person of influence book or uh, or the book oversubscribed yeah awesome that's great and what's your uh, biggest focus right now is it score app or is it uh, your uh, yes. so in 2007 there was the campaign for obama to win the election uh 2008 sorry mm. and he was really using social media for the first time and everyone became very aware of social media in 2007, eight, nine, around that time. That was the kind of the beginning of the S curve for social media. And from 2009 to 2015, 16, social media exploded and it was so powerful and everyone was using it and it was so effective. And then in 2016, there was the Brexit campaign and there was the Trump campaign And both of those campaigns were run by a company called Cambridge Analytica. Cambridge Analytica was a data analytics company um, and it hid behind the scenes, but it actually collected a lot of data, analyzed the data, and then made decisions that were very data-driven, data-centric. So I have this belief 
that the social media era is like that S curve has now matured and there's not a lot more you can do with social media. You can do all the best practices. You can do all the tips and the tricks and the tactical stuff. But the, the S curve has matured around social media, right? It's still obviously valuable and everyone's using it. But the explosive uptick has happened. But the explosive uptick that's about to happen is data analytics. So small businesses are just starting to become aware of the types of tactics and tricks that were used in the Brexit campaign and the Trump campaign by Cambridge Analytica. And they're starting to think, well, how do we use data to make really smart decisions to do hyper-personalized marketing, hyper-targeted marketing? How do we segment at a really narrow in an, in a narrow way, how do we enrich our database so that we know more about every single person on our database? And how do we then create micro segments and talk to people as individuals? So those kind of questions are, are getting asked right now. And I, I think there's going to be an explosive growth of businesses that use data analytics and that, that, um, that they're excited about the potential of growing their business with data and making data-driven decisions. So essentially, that's my main focus. I want to introduce that idea to a lot of businesses, and I want, you know, I want small businesses to be excited about data as they are about Instagram. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when when that small business owner would, you know, let's say that little hair salon, and they were taking photos of their customers and putting it on Instagram and getting hundreds of people engaging, I want them to know that actually the next big moment for their business is when they start collecting data and using that data effectively and they get hundreds of customers buying because of the data they're they're using so i'm i'm just really passionate about making sure entrepreneurs collect data use data harness the power of data uh to grow their businesses awesome what a great vision and uh yeah exciting times in 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 data and data analytics so uh i'm sure you will strike gold in in that area <laughs> well thank you so much for your time danielle this was so insightful you had a lot of stuff to share with us and uh i'll wish you all the best with your future endeavors in data analytics now thanks jacob thank you for listening to lead generation strategies for b2b tech companies don't forget to subscribe. You will find it where podcasts live. Discover how we can help you with your lead generation activities at brightvision.com.